0: You're listening to The Onset of refreshing, inspiring, and relatable outdoor stories and conversations with your host, Elizabeth Brownell. The Onset Podcast, part of the OKS Podcast Network.
1: guys and welcome to episode 8 of the Onset Podcast, presented to you by Okayest Hunter Podcast Network. The season is definitely underway in Virginia. You know, I'm not sure if this is pre-rut or if the rut's starting, but um, we're starting to have some bucks chasing does on camera saw a little bit of that on Thursday. I had a right, run under my tree, like, right as shooting light started, um, and a buck was chasing her, like, grunting about, like, five times before he took off again, so I drew back just in case he stepped out into a lane, and he didn't, but I'm pretty positive that was a smaller six we have on camera. We have another eight point, a wide seven, and then I want to say a ten point that we called JC, because the first time I saw picture of him, I was just like, Jesus Christ, like that's huge. So we'll see what happens. A cold front's coming in on Tuesday. So good luck to all the Virginia hunters out there. But in this week's episode, we're gonna be covering just Western hunting again i have my friend whitney on and she moved out to colorado so this is her first season of hunting bear and elk out in colorado and we kind of just discussed what it's like going from texas to colorado Uh, we had the pleasure of meeting in the spring actually she was in virginia and we got set up from actually the people from last week's episode Bow disciples so james and brie hooked us up and I took her on a WMA in Summer Duck, Virginia, which is CF Phelps, and we kind of just hiked and looked for antlers and talked the whole time, and then I also got to take her um, shad fishing during um, the shad run in Fredericksburg, so that was a lot of fun too, but I think it's a good episode and hope you guys enjoy it, but before we get into that, I do have this week's rookie hunting story. This is from Samantha Nicoletta and she actually just harvested a buck um, with her daughter like on her back so big shout out to her. My rookie story. This past spring turkey season, I'm 35 weeks pregnant and still going hard trying to get a bird. My dad and I have the perfect plan. We get set up in the dark on the point and wait for this bird to gobble. He gobbles off the roost and he's definitely close, so I know I can't move. But about an hour, I start to get unbelievably uncomfortable. So I'm like, Dad, I gotta sit up. I sit up and all is well. The bird didn't see me. Once he flies down, dad calls to him and he's locked in, coming. I see him, and I'm ready. He picked his head up, and I'm like, okay, this is it. He probably isn't coming any closer. So I took the shot. Clean miss. The rookie move, there were bushes in front of this turkey that I thought my shot was going to clear, and it didn't. I know better, and I know he most likely would have came closer, but my excitement got the best of me. Even though it's not turkey season, um, I just, I mean, I feel like we can all relate. This past spring, I knew more people that missed a bird than I had ever heard of before. I think it was just one of those years. So um, I just definitely think it's badass that you were hunting like that. If if you're not aware, like 40 weeks pregnant is like usually when people have babies. So 35 weeks pregnant um, and turkey hunting, I just can't even imagine like sitting on the ground like that. So um, big shout out to you, Samantha, and congratulations on your buck back to whitetail though i saw a video of this hunter who successfully like stalked upon a bedded buck and he took the shot probably it was only like 10 yards it was a good shot he harvested that buck but it kind of got me thinking like i as a new hunter i always thought uh, shooting a bedded buck was kind of like an unethical thing like i know i wouldn't want to be shot while sleeping or like relaxing, laying down. I just always thought that wasn't really like an okay thing. Um, So obviously I took to my social media and I did a poll and I said, is it ethical to shoot a bedded buck? And I was very surprised by the results but I wanted to share them with you because definitely let me know what you think. I had 74% of people say it is ethical to shoot a bedded deer. And uh, so it was 245 votes that said yes, and only 26%, so 86 votes said no. I guess I'm on the fence about it still. Um, I guess I just, I, (sighs) I had someone actually message me, and they were like, well, ethical is an opinion. And I mean, yeah, that's why I did a poll, because this is... Like, obviously, it's your opinion. It's what you're comfortable with. It's what you're going to do, you personally, not anyone else. So I guess if we're going to define ethical, I guess, you know, on on one hand, I think most people took this as, like, a literal, like, ethical shot, right? Like, are are you going to have a clean shot of the vitals to put this deer down? I guess I was kind of more thinking about it, like, is it fair? Like, is it right? It's the same thing, like, I wouldn't shoot at a deer that's running. Um, Like, that's not anything I'm comfortable with personally. And I guess I just, and I guess I saw a lot of people taking it in the direction of, like, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. So, like, yes, you should be able to do it because not many people are going to be able to stock up on a deer, let alone a buck, that's bedded. But that's not what I was saying. Like, I, I understand it's hard, but just because it's hard i mean i don't think that means it's ethical i'm still on the fence about it but i did have a lot of dms that um in response to that to that poll so i kind of wanted to share some with you someone said out west where you're stalking mule deer for a thousand plus yards yes back east it's questionable mostly because the shot is totally different on their vitals laying down Someone else said, if you're able to get within range of a bedded buck, either by sneaking in or hiding well enough that he doesn't know you're there, that's the ultimate hunting skill demonstration, especially with archery tackle. Half the people calling it unethical probably road hunt anyway. Another DM said, as long as you can clearly shoot the vitals, there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. A fellow Virginia hunter said, depends on the situation of the buck at hand. Like, is it a monster? And a lot of people a lot of the dms i did get they were like if it's a buck worth like if it's an absolute unit like if it's the biggest buck i've ever seen yeah i'm gonna shoot it bedded but if it's smaller maybe i won't so i guess it's just i mean it's totally up to the hunter but this kind of was a poll that uh kind of you know i was surprised on so i did another one and i'll share that in next week's episode but just kind of wanted to share that with you. And definitely in the comments, um, you know, let me let me know what you guys think personally. Does it matter if you're, you know, in the East or in the West? Um, I feel like a lot of the Western hunters I saw in the poll said, yes, like it's ethical to shoot a bedded buck. And a lot of the hunters on the East um, Coast said, no, it's not. And so is that because, you know, a lot of people are doing like spot and stalking? on, you know, in the Midwest and in the West Coast and in the East Coast, that's not usually what you're doing or I don't know, but it's definitely food for thought. Before we get into this week's episode, you're gonna hear Whitney and I talk about something called Hunt, Lift, Eat. And not only are they an account on social media, but they're actually a really cool kind of, like, team network. Um, they also develop backcountry training programs. Um, it's They have lifestyle apparel and also they're active duty owned. Uh, it's a really cool group of guys. And Whitney ends up meeting up with them out west for a hunt that she was a part of. Um, I joined the team and then Whitney kind of asked me about it and then she joined and that's how she got uh, to be a part of that hunt. They're actually doing a group hunt in December in Virginia as well. It's just a cool network of people that are interested in the same things, um, not just hunting, but like your physical well-being to able to be able to do the hunting, right? So Definitely check them out. They actually have their opening team member applications right now, so check that out. But as well as their apparel, if you're looking at any of their stuff, I think it's super cute. I have a bunch of their stuff, but use code rookie10 for 10% off. All right, we are live. I'm here with someone that I've love so much um and james from Bow disciples actually was the one to kind of hook us up right yeah um whitney was basically doing this like amazing thing where she was just you were kind of teleworking so you were just traveling the u.s um and so she actually stayed in virginia for like a couple months right it was like almost two months. Yeah. Yeah. And so we got to meet up. We got to, I took her to CF Phelps WMA in Summerdeck, Virginia. And we did a little bit of just like shed hunting without finding the sheds. Really. I mean, we had a nice walk. We had a great hike together, awesome. um, but we immediately clicked. Um, Whitney's such a vibe and I'm so happy to have you on here. It's been a long time coming. Um, she's basically been in like the mountains of Colorado the past month. So we're here to talk about essentially what it's like to go on your first um, like country hunting trip essentially, and then also like what is it like to hunt bear and elk for the first time. And um, again, we're gonna be focusing on like the West Coast hunting, but um, she was living in Texas previously. So I think we have a lot to cover on this episode. So thanks for being here,
0: Whitney. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be on here. I feel like we planned this almost two months ago, and then here we are two months later, finally recording.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think when I started kind of the wheels were turning for this podcast I was like immediately I was like yes like I want to have Whitney on here like I just want to shoot the shit and I even told her before we started recording that this is the first podcast where I didn't have like a vigorous set of notes of like topics to cover and like make sure I mention this or make sure I do this and um and that's purely because not because I'm not taking this seriously but because I have no doubt that we just flow. Like I just feel like we we also went fishing in Fredericksburg. Um I took her shad fishing, which was like near and dear to my heart. Um, and I'm pretty sure we literally got skunked that day too. Um
0: We caught a bunch of stick fish. I was
1: gonna say Whitney was getting caught up in cause you you had never used a spinning reel. Like Yeah, no, never. So that was my first time. And I've never used a bait cast or anything like that. So it was definitely just um her and I just vibe. I'm just excited to get into it, but um tell me how it's been like adjusting to Colorado because like now that's where you're settled in
0: yeah I I mean I went to grad school here before COVID and I've been like etching to get back ever since really the only reason I went back to Texas was because of COVID and work took me back out there um but I just I love the outdoors I love being outside and like I was familiar with Colorado um and so it just made sense to come back here and then uh last season was my first season hunting. Um, like you mentioned I was hunting in Texas and then I knew kind of I wanted to get into like the backcountry style hunting so not only did I love Colorado but like that was a great opportunity to like do that here Um, and so I was fortunate to be able to do that kind of this past month Um, definitely a different style of hunting than hunting in Texas by a long shot (laughs) Um, but I love it here and like weather's been perfect in Texas it's still like over 100 degrees and it's like almost October at this point and here it's finally starting to cool down and I love prefer cold weather over hot weather most times so I love it here it feels like home
1: yeah for sure Colorado is definitely one of the it's like I almost moved there like I think it was the February before COVID hit um and I'd been there like twice before but it's like every time I go out there it's just it's such a vibe like and I just it's it kind of just feels like everything is within your fingertips, right? I feel like here where I live, it's like I have to drive maybe like two hours to like see a mountain, right? Yeah. But Colorado, I feel like you're just like, it. you're just in it. Even, even if you're in the city, like I feel like it's not a far like drive to get to where you can like do shit. Um, but also I know like the elevation kicks my ass and I definitely want to get out to the West Coast like to hunt elk one day. That's definitely like a dream hunt. But I also know like my little East Coast lungs are just going to be hurting. (laughs) What was it like getting prepared for your first like elk hunt out
0: there? Or was it a bear hunt that you did first? I guess which one? Yeah, so I started, I went into the season, I had drawn a bear tag. So it was a limited tag uh, specific to a certain unit out here. Um, And really the reason I went for a bear tag over an elk tag was um, when I moved out here, like I knew people here, but not really anyone who was going to be able to go hunting with me. Um, So like kind of multiple reasons for the bear tag. One was I had to apply as a non-resident because I hadn't been here long enough to apply as a resident. Um, And a bear tag was the cheapest non-resident tag. And I knew- (laughs) I think like 170 maybe. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And for me, like not, not even that like money was an issue. It was like archery is already like bow hunting is already challenging enough. Um, And so I knew like statistics around bow hunting elk on public land in Colorado where like 70 plus percent of people don't fill their tags. So in my mind, like, if I'm going to buy a non-resident tag, I'm just going to go for the cheapest one. And not that, like, I hunt for meat, right? So I would still eat it. Like, that wasn't just part of that. And also, like, I was plan- like fully planning on going on myself. Um, and so to pack out an animal by myself, I guess, depending on the size of the bear, like, if I got a really large one, that would be challenging to pack out on my own. But it made more sense to be able to do that on my own um, versus packing out a bull elk, and even if I put a cow down, like that's still a lot, Um, and I would do it, like nonetheless, if I was by myself, and I put one down, I would pack it out by myself, Um, so that was really my reasoning, and going for just the bear tag, Um, and the unit that I had applied for was one that someone had kind of recommended to me, Um, and the longer that I was here, I moved here like early June, um, and the longer that I was here, I just continued, I would meet people at the bow shop. Like I talk to anybody and everybody, (laughs) if you cross my path and anywhere, I'm probably going to talk to you. Um so I'd go in the bow shop, I would chat people up and um was going to like I went to the Colorado Total Archery Challenge, met some people there, met some at the Utah Total Archery Challenge that were hunting in Colorado and right. just was meeting more and more people and um was telling them I, I drew the bear tag and like how stoked I was and like what I was kind of doing to get ready for that. Um and ended up I had a friend who was like, Hey, I've hunted that unit before for elk and it was an over-the-counter unit, but he was gonna he had hunted it in a totally different area. Um, and he was like, I'll tag along with you. Like I'll get an over-the-counter elk tag. You can let bear, I can hunt elk and like, we can kind of see how it goes. Um, and so hung out with him, got to know him a little bit more. Um, and we spent opening weekend together hunting both elk and bear. Um, and then, yeah, the more people that I met, like I had opening weekend, I spent a total of like 16 or 17 days so far in September, um, hunting and, uh, then kind of got connected with the hunt lift eat group um and you had kind of recommended me for them and that was super cool and they had like a Colorado archery elk camp um and I got
1: a big shout out like well shameless plug hunt lift (laughs) eat right now um it's just a really like cool networking group and I feel like everyone (laughs) I've met through them like through that group is just so down to earth and so chill and so um I was so so pumped when I saw you on um I think it was Garrett's story or someone um from that group I was like hell yeah I even messaged him I was like Whitney's the fucking coolest
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah, I love it it was so much fun and they were also welcoming um like a couple of they're obviously familiar with the area they had scouted so that unit that we were at was totally different than the bear unit that I was at um uh and they had scouted it they had cameras out there and it sounded like we were pretty confident that we were going to be able to at least put one or two down in the group but uh, that unit is so heavily pressured and so heavily hunted uh with so many people so it ended up the time that we were out there like most of them had either moved to private land or they were just in a totally different area than we were expecting them um but yeah it's- at, what, at
1: what point because i know you even said like you weren't gonna like, pull the trigger on your elk tag. Um, mm-hmm. cause it is expensive. Um, out of non resident, how
0: much is it again? Uh, like 780 with taxes and everything.
1: Wow. Yeah. So I remember you saying you weren't going to. At what point though? Cause I remember even we talked about it after and you were like, Yeah, I just went ahead and I did it. Like, fuck it. <laughs> at what point did, at what hunt, like, I guess, did it change yeah. your mind? Like, were you out there hunting for bear and you were just like, All right, let's, let's do it. Like, let's, I'm
0: going to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of exactly how it went. I I had my bear tag and like prior to going out opening weekend, I had done as much scouting as like humanly possible. And I was asking all the questions. Like if I went to the bow shop, I'd be like, hey, have you guys hunted this unit before? And if they said yes, like they would give me intel. Um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife or CPW has what they call hunt planners. And so they'll kind of connect you or they'll give you a little bit of intel about the unit that you're looking at. Um, what species you're hunting, and then they'll kind of connect you with that county's uh, like wildlife biologist um, and then their hunt planners as well. So I contacted. It's actually really cool that that's like a program
1: they offer.
0: Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people know about it either.
1: Yeah, I've never even heard of like other states doing that. That seems like just like a, such, a, such a plentiful resource that you should like definitely take advantage of.
0: Yeah, and so the the two counties that were closest to where I was going to be, I, like, talked to their wildlife biologists, I talked to to their CPW officers, and they gave me, obviously, they can't put you on an animal, right, Um, but they tell you, like, the wallows that you should hang out at, like, where they've seen the most sign recently, like, um, there was a drainage that one of the biologists was like, bears are frequenting here all the time. Now obviously it depends on the season and all of that. Um, I was kind of near URA. Uh, and so like the URA County officer had said like bears are obviously in and out of town a lot. So she was like, obviously you can't hunt them in city limits. But they're usually like out on the forest properties during the day, and then they come into town at night. So she's like, "If you want to kind of like hunt around town and like see what you can find there," so like they're so helpful. And I like I said, I don't think people know that that resource is even there. But and it's also awesome that like
1: you are, you know, technically you are a non-resident, and they were still like so like encouraging and so helpful. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, and I definitely like I made it known like, hey, this is like I just recently moved here. This is my first time like backcountry hunting this is my first time hunting bear (laughs) like I don't I know nothing you're a rookie hunter out there (laughs) yes perfectly uh described as a a rookie hunter so I let them like I can only use that once right this is my first time first season I can only use that once and so Mm -hmm. that I think that I don't know I think even if I was like my millionth time doing it they still would have helped like they were such awesome people and incredible resources and like I'll probably continue to use them for every year after <laughs> like, yeah. stupid not to. Um So if you're hunting Colorado, know that they have hunt planners, you can call CPW hunt planners and they like, just ask, like that's what I tell people. Like, Oh, how, how did you get all this information? How do you know where to go? And it's your first time. I just, past people.
1: <laughs> yeah, And I feel like that's a good quality to have. Like when you said you, you go into the bow shop and like you talk to people and that's definitely how I was too. When I first started hunting, like I would see someone wearing camo in Walmart and I'm like, can we make eye contact? i like, tell me about
0: your, like your, your
1: accomplishments.
0: Like, yeah, exactly. You do um, the thing. Let me get. Let yes. Me- yeah.
1: <laughs> it's the best way to learn. I think is just like through, I wouldn't even say networking, but just like talking. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like in this like day and age, people are like glued to their phones. And like, I feel like a lot of people like don't know like how to socialize anymore. I work with like all like, you know, software engineers and like coders and like people like that. And it's so funny because like, it's like, they don't, they're nice people, but it's like, sometimes they just don't know how to talk. And like, I am like you, like I am like a golden retriever, like literally <laughs> talk to me. Like I'll tell, I'll tell anyone my life story. Like I want to know everything and it's helped me out so much with hunting because Sometimes I feel like people aren't expecting that like a new hunter to like get out of your comfort zone and be like hey like these are the things I don't know. I'm not embarrassed, like I have no ego um and I'm just here to like get some knowledge from you and I think everyone has a different perspective like on how they hunt or why they hunt or you know what they're hunting and so I think it's such an important thing like whether you're getting information from someone and you, you might find it useful or you might not, you might be like, yeah, that's something I'm not going to use. I'm not going to try that method, but I know people are doing it like that and it gives you a whole different perspective anyway. So I think that's a really good trait and and props on you to like, I mean, you literally, yeah, you went in there with as much knowledge as I think you could have prepared for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of ask, and I kind of, I would ask them to, like, I have a bear tag, but in the instance, I Side, I want to get an over-the-counter elk tag. Like I know this is also an over-the-counter elk unit. Like if you could give some intel on that too. And so I had pens on Onyx based on like intel that they were giving me what they were saying um, for both bear and elk. Uh, so we get out there opening weekend. It's me. Um, one of my friends I had met at Colorado Total Archery Challenge. Um, uh, one of my friends, Nyla from Texas, had flew up here. She had never hunted in Colorado before, but she's hunted deer for years in Texas um and then my friend had a buddy come along also uh it was us four we were out there the plan was to just kind of like carry camp on our backs all weekend it was like four or five days that we were out there that time um uh, but ended up like we found trailheads pretty close by each of the spots that we were looking at um and so uh we just kind of car camped or like set up camp in each of those spots and we didn't have to carry camp on our backs the entire time so that we lucked out with that but we saw some bear sign like it was definitely evident that bear were around but it wasn't frequent enough to feel like oh we're in here like they're definitely close to us Uh, but on the last day let's see it would have been sunday evening um we had moved to like kind of one of the last spots and then we were planning to all go back like monday the next day around like three because it was all like five it was five hours away from where we all lived Um, so that way we could get home in time we all had work the next day whatever But that Sunday evening, we're like heavy and elk sign. And like this time of year, they're not bugling. They're not doing anything, but we could smell them. We were seeing poop everywhere. We were seeing game trails, um, all that stuff. So we knew that they were around. Um, And so we had planned to set up. uh, We got up early that next morning on Monday and we had set up kind of on like a hilltop where we thought we would catch them moving to their beds after getting water. Um, And we sat there, we kind of all spread out like, 20 yards 20 yards apart uh, from like 6 a.m to 9 a.m and we didn't see shit (laughs) and so we're like man like either we were on the wrong side or just maybe this isn't where we thought that they were but like the sign was there so maybe it was just a little uh later than we thought and come 9 a.m we all like regroup and the guys are like all right like I guess it's just time to head out and I'm like we still have time. (laughs) We didn't plan to leave until three o'clock today. We still have time. Uh, So they're like, well, what, what do we do? And we had found it found an area also that we thought that they were bedding in. And I'm like, let's just, let's get in there. Let's see what's going on. Um, So sure enough at 9am, we kind of regrouped. We start walking back towards like where we had found their bedding areas the day before. And we're like smelling them big time. Now I like, after so this when thing. you say smelling them, is it like, is it
1: like a urine smell? Is it their actual physical body? Is like what exactly are you smelling?
0: Yeah, so kind of a, a little bit of both. I I kind of was under the impression from those that I was with the opening weekend that it was like their body smell, um, but when I started smelling them again the second time I went went out, uh, they were like that could totally be like urine as well. Okay. Uh, but it, it smells basically like a cow, <laughs> like oh wow okay yeah like I, <laughs> a new cow yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> there's cows around and they're like no that's what elk smell like oh okay so we're we could like you couldn't breathe without like tasting it as how strong it was wow um, I I vomit <laughs> <laughs> it's not a great smell by any means <laughs> um but anyway so we go up we see and we're literally we're standing in an elk bed and let's see it was 9 a.m we regrouped at 9 16 uh my friend we catch a bull walking to his bed 35 yards and uh the guy ends up taking a frontal shot on him um what and that- like frontal do you mean like literally mm-hmm. like frontal why is that common with like elk um, I think it really depends who you're talking to. Um, some people would recommend against it because you have such a small target area that is successful, especially with a bow. Versus yeah. if you're shooting broadside, like their lungs are massive.
1: Yeah.
0: So you have that was
1: one thing I didn't realize with, and I, and it definitely makes sense. But um, I started watching like more videos of like bow hunting, specifically elk, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and they're, I mean whatever you call it, like the target box, like, you know, their vitals is just so, it's so much bigger than I ever would have really like thought. Oh, it's um, huge. It and does- it makes sense because like, it's a huge animal. So like, yeah, like I imagine, yeah, their lungs and their heart are absolutely massive. But it's like, I would see a couple shots and I'd assume like, oh, that was a bad shot. But in reality, it's like, those
0: were in the vitals, like double lung shot. Like, it's yeah. just not what you would think they're massive and like you said because they're massive animals and and insert a disclaimer I shouldn't have to do this but I feel like I have to like I am by no means an expert like everything that I yeah this is a rookie episode for sure
1: um and I feel like when you when you explain that it's like hey like this is my first time like hunting elk like This is all from your perspective. Like this is literally from your experiences in the past month, um, which I think is perfect for the onset. Like this is, you know, I'm not having you on here because you're an expert. And so if anyone comes for Whitney because of her, you know, the way we're talking, like and her experiences, I'll come for you. So <laughs>
0: I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, it's like a relative, like a super small shot, successful shot that you can take um, on an elk from a frontal standpoint, but he was standing there at full draw for like a solid minute and they're standing eye to eye him and this elk and if he didn't shoot he wasn't the the elk was leaving and it was like his only opportunity
1: um hear me out when you're because I've never really I've never hunted like even a whitetail with that many people um when you're in a group like that like is it Are you guys basing your shots on, like, whoever has the opportunity? Like, whoever has the best shot or the closest shot? Or, like, is it something that's, like, a spoken word before? Like, you know, you have a new hunter, so, like, hey, we're trying to put, like, her on her first elk. Like, how does that work? Or what was it like for your experience, I guess?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting question. Um, So, I think in different groups, different people that I hunted with went about it different ways um with everyone in the group that I was with opening weekend like no one had shot on an elk with a bow before so it was going to be everyone's first shot opportunity especially on a bull I think maybe one guy had shot a cow um but I think it was going to be everyone's first opportunity on a bull um as far as who shot first in that group like at the time I didn't have an elk tag Um, but I had like kind of scouted for elk a little bit in that area. Um, but the other three had elk tags. My friend who had flown in from Texas, like she was only there for three days. Um, so I think it was kind of an assumption that once she got her tag, maybe that she was going to, like she got three days out of 30 to hunt. Whereas we had all month of September to hunt if we wanted to really, um, ended up just being like. The guy who ended up shooting, like, when we were heavy in the sign, he was like, hey, it's my shot. Like, I'm going in on it. And whatever, you, you let him you let him take it. And I think, like, then the I went out with the Hunt left E group, and it was just kind of like – we would all split up into smaller groups like we were never out like that big group at a time Mm -hmm. um and they kind of did it where like me and another guy named chase um shout out to chase coleman um part of the hunt lifty crew um we had gone out with another guy named daniel and we were only there for like part of the trip we weren't there for the whole trip and daniel was going to be there the whole time so daniel was like you two rock, paper, scissors, whatever you want to do. Like, one of you two get to shoot first. And Chase is like, You're the lady, you get to shoot first. And I was oh, like, love yeah. that.
1: Yeah. That's like the one time I'd be like, Yeah, who needs feminism? was <laughs> <know. laughs>
0: yeah, like, You're the lady, like, you shoot first. And like, I, I honestly I thought I didn't care either way. I was like, You know what? Like, I hope we both get to shoot. That would be in a perfect world. Yeah. Um, but you spoke first. You said I could shoot first. I appreciate that. But also, if you're not anywhere near me and you see one, please don't wait for me to come. Yeah, 100%. It's not opportunity too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it really is heavily dependent on like within, we had a plan on who was going to shoot first, but also like if you do split up a little bit, man, take your shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not going to be mad at you at all. Um, so yeah, I, I think it just depends on if when you are in a group like that, like I, I would recommend talking about it first, like, opening weekend the group I was with it was kind of unspoken up until we were heavy in the sign um and I think like now that I, now that I went out with another group we very much talked about it first and like you kind of just knew what was gonna happen um and people probably do it differently like I you can also go out with someone and like not have a tag and as long as you don't have like any sort of weapon on you I don't think you would get like I don't know that CPW would come for you I don't know good question yeah um but it's I think something worth talking about different strokes for different folks kind of thing yeah for sure but that was how it went opening again he pulled on it but it was such a learning experience from that for me like he so 916 he puts a shot on this bull um he said it was a 20 yard shot right a 35, I think. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, which is, for me, the first time I had been that close to an elk in real life.
1: Yeah, how was it seeing, like, that kind of... I mean, just... Because, like, I can't imagine. Like, I kind of feel like I put, like, elk and moose together. Like, I think I would just, like, not even... It's like seeing a bus, right? Like, just the size difference. Especially, like, whitetail mm-hmm. on the East Coast. Like, Virginia whitetail. Like, you know, definitely even different from Midwest White Tail. So, I just can't imagine the pure magnitude of a bull elk like even what that what was that like
0: it was crazy because I like hunting in Texas and you're like sitting in a blind and you can have deer like come right up to you and your heart is just like racing (laughs) and I don't know maybe that's not for everybody but that's what happens to me um but I'm still able like I pride myself in being able to like control my breathing under like a high pressure scenario like that um I was honestly like my heart was racing more as I knew we were getting closer to one like we're deeper in the sign we could smell it like I, I didn't have eyes on this thing but I just knew it was around <laughs> and so my heart is like beating out of my chest at this point but the second I put eyes on this thing it was like I'm calm like and I, like I said I wasn't the one who was drawing back on it so maybe it would have changed right maybe would would be different if I was the one drawing back on it but in that moment when I put eyes on it, it was like all nerves have gone away. There's this massive animal in front of me that can do so much, right? Like that, and even for it, like honestly, I'm so glad that he got that. That was his first bull elk, and he had been hunting out here for four or five years. Like that's food on the table for him and his family. Um, and that's kind of what goes through my mind. And, and I tell people like when I saw my first deer. I I cried a little bit but it was because like I I knew at the end of the day I took a life right I think that's kind of again what happened when I saw this like this calming oh like calming sensation of like a life is about to be taken here I feel like a very sobering thought yeah
1: I feel like that is how I kind of describe it I feel like when you're you don't grow up hunting I didn't you know, it's like you've you've never killed anything before. I feel like that's where it's a weird concept of like it holds so much weight for me Yeah, Um, and I won't stop doing it, right? It's not like a bad way. It's not a bad sobering feeling, but it's just a very like, I don't know, like you said, it's like, you know, a life is about to be taken. And at the end of the day, yes, that's like such a rewarding way to... I think live a certain lifestyle. I think it's a rewarding way to feed your family. Um, especially, you know, the size of an elk, like you're getting, like, you know, I know James, like his bull, the last one he killed, he said it was like 230 pounds of meat, which is just crazy. Um, -hmm. right. Like I have a small deep freezer and I can fit like, you know, probably like five white tail in there, you know, realistically. And it's like, I don't even know what size freezer I would need for an elk. Um, yeah. But it's still a life. And so, um, yeah, it is a, just a very sobering uh, realization of, like, this is what's happening right now. Yeah, and I think that's,
0: like, exactly what went through my mind. Whether, like I said, it was me or someone else doing it. Um, and then after that, like, that whole day continued to be a learning experience. Um, draws back what, was
1: it, what was it like seeing that bull, like, standing up 35 yards and then... Like walking up on him, I guess. Like what? I mean, you know, I feel like walking up on like a big animal like is kind of crazy. But like, I mean, what was that like? And then realizing like, oh, like we're about to like all pack out a lot of meat. Like,
0: I think that's kind of like I don't. There's not a word for it. (laughs) Like, I I want to describe it. I want to put a word to it. I want to say exactly what I was feeling in that moment. I, I don't have words for it. Yeah,
1: And that's why you can't, you can't bottle up like hunting and like sell it. You can't sell it to people. I feel like that's like, they really have to experience it. Cause I feel like literally perfectly, you just said it perfectly. Like it is, it's undescribable. And you didn't even harvest that animal. Like you literally just got to like witness it, which is just even crazier. Right.
0: Yeah. And like, I still had that same feelings if it, if it was my own. Um, so then we, we get a shot on it. Um, he wanted to wait 30 minutes before going after it and should have waited significantly longer. Um, really? Well, so we, he was like, let well, me we set a timer for 30 minutes. Sets the timer for 30 minutes. 30 minutes is done with. And he's like, let's go. Um, and I talked to a couple people. And even my friend, Nyla, who had come in from Texas, like I said, she's been hunting theater for a long time. And she's kind of always said, like, an hour and a half to two hours is how long that you should wait. Wow. Oh. I have a friend who's a guide and has an outfitter and he was like, I always make my guys wait a minimum of two hours, especially if you don't see him go down. If you see him go down, that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, but like if you didn't see him go down, he runs off like minimum of two hours. Like let it you kind of have to let him lay down and die. They're huge in
1: Okay. So I guess like, is that where the difference lies? Is that it's just like the size. So it's like it 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 takes longer even if it is a good shot.
0: I think so. I mean, that's what makes sense in my head. Um but also if it was like a non-fatal shot, like not to, um, the vitals, like if they do die from it, it's going to take a little bit longer. Um, and I learned elk have like the, I think their blood clots the fastest of any animal. Um, and so it's actually kind of common to like, you'll hear hunters who put an elk down and they've found an arrow that has just recovered in the elk. Like it's been. I
1: feel, that, I feel like I've seen that more with elk than I have like online, of course, like I've seen that more with elk than I've ever seen that happen with like white tail. Yeah. Like, Broadheads broad are like literally in like an elk somewhere
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and you find it when you're butchering it. And I'm like, oh my, like what a tough animal to like literally sustain an injury like that and then just
0: keep living its best life. Oh yeah. It's crazy to think about, but yeah, they, they're the fat, like their blood clots the fastest of any animal I think is what I heard. Um, so that's kind of why that happens Um, and you think they're they're so big and if you do hit an area that's a non-vital area like they're going to be able to recover from that relatively easily Um, and you think about all like the fighting that they do and all of that like they're tough animals Um, so yeah that was just a crazy to even like see it there and experience it in front of me and and not like to your question earlier on like I just got elk fever in that moment. (laughs) And I was like, I want an elk tag. (laughs) Like, I want to chase elk. Like, what an incredible experience this is. Um, And that was really what drove that. Um, But even there, like, so he waited at 30 minutes and we ended up bumping the elk two different times. So we had found where it had been to die and it had bled out a lot, the first bedding spot. Um, But he heard us coming and sure enough, his survival instinct kicks in and he runs. Um, so then we kind of stopped there for a second, We um, wait just a little bit longer, not maybe 10 minutes max. Um, oh, damn. Yeah, I feel like, uh, yeah. yeah, I
1: feel like I, that's where I would have been like, oh, I need to wait
0: longer. Yeah. So then we find some more blood, blood trails getting thinner and thinner. We find another spot where he bedded down again and he bled out not quite as much as the first time and he we had bumped him again. And then I think we ended up bombing him three times because the lot la- the third time we saw him get up and just bust out, and we're like, we need to just fucking sit down, <laughs> because he the longer his like cortisol is running in his system, the more amped up he is, like the more likely he is to survive this shot, because um, we didn't quite know where it went. Uh, Had
1: anyone filmed it? Like, did y'all have time to like film it? I guess, or did it just was- happen
0: so fast? His friend Chris had got it um, on his phone and like when we zoomed in in the video, it was, we're kind of unsure. Like he had thought maybe he had got like a side, like really fo- far forward shoulder hit. Maybe it was like kind of to the side of the chest. So we, but like blood spewed everywhere in the video when he shot it. So we were like, there's clearly going to be a blood trail. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we had bumped him and I'm like, we, at this point from what I know of physiology, like the more this animal tries to survive the greater likelihood he has of surviving yeah (laughs) and then my friend who's from texas who's not a lot of deer she is like we need to let him die like give him time to die um and so we sat there we ended up just completely leaving the area entirely we go back to where we were camping and my friend is like we just need to go. Like I need to let him die. You're right. Whatever. We marked that pin on Onyx, like where we had last bumped him. We go, we get the trucks, we move him to the road that's close by, so we don't have as far as a pack out, assuming we find him. Um, we come back into that spot and sure enough, like he's laid down to die three separate times and he stops bleeding. So we no longer have a blood trail to follow. <laughs> um and we ended up like we're just looking for like tracks everywhere at this point and because there's elk in the area we don't know if the tracks that we're following are the tracks of the elk oh, shit. um so we find tracks we get on them we get off of them we get on them we get off of them and like finally me like we just you and you have to be looking so hard at the ground and everything starts to just look the same (laughs) at some point so that was challenging and finally like maybe we're 500 yards away from the last blood spot but it had seemed like hours away because we were just looking everywhere yeah you're
1: going at such a, a slow pace too to make sure you don't miss every detail so it's like it
0: seems like a lot you know longer and further i imagine yeah oh, yeah so we would stop at lot la- or i would stop at last blood every time and then wait for them to like follow it again and yeah eventually we got to a point where there was no more um maybe like an hour later i looked down and there's like smallest like the little smallest blood spot and it's like their sign like we have hope um and then like 100 yards later there's another one that's slightly bigger than that one um and sure enough we end up walking on and it from he shot him at nine sixteen. I think we found this guy at like three or four in the afternoon. Um, just with having to leave and we bumped him so many times and then come back. And then we lost blood sign. We lost trails. Uh, but I'm glad we ended up finding when he found him the shot it was a frontal shot um, he actually did not puncture any vitals um, oh, shit! I think he had gotten um, like a jugular vein because he had blood out really bad inside and you could even see the blood inside the elk when we started skinning him and stuff he had it had all clotted like he had huge blood clots inside of him because yeah. he bleed out and his body was trying to survive um so during I think, this
1: time like before you found him was the guy who took the shot like was he just absolutely
0: sweating or oh yes <laughs> he yeah. was the most stressed I've ever seen a human being in my life and, and yeah. so um because I think he got to a point where he was like I fucked up like yeah. I shouldn't have gone so soon and mm-hmm now we don't have a blood trail anymore. Am I going to find him? Did I even take a fatal shot? Did I take an ethical shot? Like all of these questions he's saying are going through his head and like, and I,
1: I- think that's just like a normal, if you're listening and you, you you know, maybe you haven't tracked an animal yet or, or you, you know, you haven't hunted yet. Um, tracking is like such a fun thing until it's like, nah, (laughs) yeah, like tracking, I think was something I I read, like, you know, first time I ever went hunting, like it wasn't even my animal, but like, I loved like following the blood trail. That sounds like a little, maybe like psychopathic, but, um, it just like, it was a fun, like, it's almost like a hide and go seek. It's almost like a, you know, like, like, you know, figure out a puzzle. Like I love, you know, tracking. I think it's a fun thing. Until, yeah, like, until you realize, like, did I, you know, you have all these thoughts, like, it's the most stressful feeling, like, when you don't find it, as soon as you think you might, you should have found it, Um, or even bumping them, too, it's like, it's just, it turns into such a stressful thing, and it's like, you just, you know, whether you're with people, and you can voice these, you know, feelings aloud, or whether you're not. Um, I think the first animal I shot that I never recovered, it was like my first season of hunting. It was, um, it was a whitetail and it was like, I think we tracked into like midnight and I had to be up at like 6am for work the next morning. Um, but I'm, you know, walking through, you know, the woods with my two friends and, um, they were the ones who introduced me to hunting and, um, you know, it just like hours go by and like, we're not, you know, there's still blood, but we're just like not finding them. And there's not a lot of blood. And like, it, you know, it's pitch black or like, I think my phone had died. His phone had died. Like our flashlights were dying. Um, cause I, again, I'd shot it like in the afternoon and because it was dark, I'm just silently sobbing. Like I am just behind them, like looking for blood, just silently, like just absolutely crying my eyes out. Cause I realized like I fucked up. Like I didn't make a good shot. It was way too far. Like I didn't think I should have taken the shot, but my buddy was like, yeah, you're good. You got it. Like, and so I did. Um, but I should have trusted myself and been like, no, like that's not a yardage I feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Um, it was with a shotgun, like using slugs, but still like just nothing I should have ever taken. Um, and I'll never forget, just like I was so thankful that it was nighttime and I could just cry, like without them knowing. I was like absolutely losing my shit behind them.
0: Yeah. And I think that's important too. Like, and be, when I was in Texas, there were so many times where I would be in the bow shop and someone would come in and get their first bow. Like, I, I've only ever archery hunted um, or bow hunted. I guess is the, the word for it, whatever. <laughs> um, people would come in the bow shop and get their first bow and their first hunt was the next day. And I'm oh like, my God. yeah, <laughs> I'm like, there's no way. And my, I spent, like, I've been shooting a bow for three years now and I've only hunted now for technically a year between seasons. Yeah, and I'm like, I spent time getting good at shooting because I wanted to have a good ethical shot. Like yeah. I, the last thing I ever want to do is severely wound an animal. And yeah. I know sometimes that happens. Some things happen outside of your control. Yeah, anything can happen. But I think like preparing yourself is like the, the, the way you
1: can be most respectful to the yeah. animal you're hunting. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I I bought my first compound like I think in the spring and even in the fall, like after a summer of shooting, I still was not ready in the fall. Now? So I went out with a crossbow and that was that. And then I kept shooting my compound like the rest of the year. And then that, that next fall is like that, which was last year. That was like my first, you know, uh, season with my compound. And I still didn't like, I just never really had an opportunity on like a mature doe that wasn't with a fawn. And that's just not like, that's not an animal I want to take.
0: For sure, yeah. I just don't
1: think, I don't think any should see their mom like <laughs> die. I
0: really don't like if That makes me a pussy. I don't care no Um, absolutely I mean and if you go like in Texas there's there's public land there's not very much of it so most I was gonna
1: say I did kind of want to talk on that because you know that was something um there were so many places I could have taken you you know in Virginia like Mm -hmm. we're, we're just honestly I think we're so lucky to have the opportunities we do on public land and people still take like absolute like units off of public land um it's hard right but it's still possible and so when we were talking about Texas I was just absolutely like I was just shocked that like the opportunities are not even you guys don't even have like a fraction I think of what Virginia offers its residents
0: yeah now there there's I would always say there's no public land but there's public land. Yes, it exists in Texas, but technically, uh, <laughs> technically <laughs> there are deer there, meh, questionable. And if there are there, they're probably gone in the first week because there's not that many and there's not a lot of public land. So oftentimes when you're hunting in Texas, you're hunting either somebody's high fence property or people have like a low fence free range property or you're on somebody's hunting lease or maybe you get lucky and like if you're in closer to like a city area where there's a deer problem like maybe somebody will let you hunt around like their property um but all of those are like you have to pay to do that yeah like
1: I think I was surprised at just how expensive
0: like to get those opportunities in Texas it's ridiculous and what people pay like it was so funny so before I ever went on my first hunt um I had been on this Facebook page for like quite a few months and I was just kind of observing different things that people would post on it and it was titled something along the lines of like budget hunts like for whatever and and in my mind (laughs) my budget was like really really low like I just for my first time like I wasn't willing to pay thousands of dollars for like could I have yeah but was I was like going to absolutely not that's stupid especially when I know people who are out there hunting for free with like $50 dogs in their hands I'm not paying thousands of dollars. yeah I think
1: that's like the hard time I have it's like when people have these opportunities and it's like yeah it's this amount of money and I'm
0: like uh, I'm gonna
1: pass. like I just you know I feel like hunting's already so expensive um and you know I think I have my own opinions about like high fence and guides and different stuff like that I think it you know there's line I think um but it's crazy what people will
0: actually like dish out um some of the like in south Texas area like I've seen pictures of whitetail that are unreal like they're trophy whitetail they're antlers look disgusting like that's yeah, how it's, it's like, like genetically bred <laughs> on a high fence yeah and to me and like we probably have similar opinions like if you're hunting off of a feeder this white buck that has unreal an unreal rack on it like you pr- and they pay like ten thousand dollars for that yeah you know <laughs> at that point it's such
1: like a privileged thing in its own um, but I would much rather like, <laughs> I would much, I would feel a lot prouder standing in front of an animal, um, that I, <laughs> that I struggled to harvest, right. Than like pay someone like 10 K to go sit in a blind. And it's a guarantee. It, it is, it's a guarantee. You can never guarantee hunting, but I think with like high fence, like, I'm really sorry. It's guaranteed.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you're paying
1: thousands of dollars um and those animals are and if you don't know what high fence hunting is like it's what it sounds like like these and it
0: can't escape the fence
1: and i will they can't and i will say i feel like the 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 only argument i ever hear is like it's it's not just like five acres you know it's like literally like thousands of acres so like yeah like it is it can be that you know it's it's a large area but still it's like i don't know it's just like you're paying you know at that point, just like, I want to go to the grocery store. I really don't like that's not hunting to me. I don't think so.
0: Yeah, no, that is like
1: the official rookie hunting. I've never talked about high fence on here. But here we are. Yeah, that is the official opinion of uh, high Yeah, no,
0: I agree entirely. And so I'm on this Facebook page. And like, um, everyone's I quickly learned that budget looks different for everybody. <laughs> um, like people would pay tens of thousands of dollars. Some people would pay a hundred dollars, whatever. And so I posted on it and I was like, Hey, like I've been shooting for almost two years now. Like I started shooting because I wanted to get into hunting. Um, I've never hunted myself that my, both my grandpa and my dad were hunters. They were rival hunters. They both passed when I was younger. Um, so that's kind of where the interest comes from, but I obviously never got to learn from them um and so I was like just I'm interested and I even worded it as like I don't even have to hunt or harvest an animal myself like I would love to like tag along on someone's hunt to learn like
1: and I love that I love that you added that because I think that is like if you are trying to get into hunting and you don't know where to start like that isn't no one's ever gonna I mean they're still gonna say no some people right but I feel like you're gonna have people like I would not mind if yeah. like anyone wants to come, if I'm still allowed, to, like I can be the one shooting, absolutely come with me. Like I don't mind at all. Like, so I feel like if you don't know where to start, like you literally said in that post, yeah. it's like, I don't even have to be the one to do it. Like, and that is a good place. I think you learn so much just from watching other people. I think it's the best way to learn Yeah, um, when you start hunting.
0: Yeah. And so that's kind of what I had said. Um, and I got a mixed review of feedback Some people were like, oh, you're a female. There's no way you're even drawing back enough, which fuck you, because I can draw back 60 pounds. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So they're like, yeah, I got comments like that. I got one saying, like, oh, you're probably doing it for the wrong reasons. And then I got some positive things that were like, hey, we love that you're looking to learn. Like, it costs $2,000 to hunt with me. (laughs) Like, no, I'm not willing to pay that. I appreciate you. I'm not willing to pay $2,000 for my first endeavor. Um, and got some people who were like, yeah, like, you're more than welcome to come out here. And and I ended up connecting with like this older gentleman, his name is Ronnie. And like, he's become an an incredible person in my life now. Um, and he, he's like, "I, I love working with new hunters. He actually does a youth hunt every year with kids who have autism, um, and like, just, was an incredible guy but keep in mind I I met this guy through Facebook um and with with every person you meet online like take with a grain of salt you have to be a little
1: yeah there are certain risks for sure I've definitely had my fair share of like just meeting up with strangers and I feel like especially when I first started hunting like I would I'm not saying I would meet up with anybody because like a lot of people would hit up the Ricky hunting like Instagram they're like let me take you out and I'd look at their profile and I'm like I'm frightened (laughs) I'm so scared for my safety so be smart like do your due diligence but I will say like I mean some of my best friends like I've met on you know through through the internet so I don't I don't I I think it's like our generation for sure um, but be safe. That's the official
0: yeah, yeah,, and I talked to this guy on the phone like multiple times before I went out there, um, and not that that changes anything, but I just kind of got the vibe that like he cared. um, and so sure enough, I go out there, and like the first set that we do, like, I think we saw one do but I just like wasn't able to draw back on her, like just the way that I was positioned and how far away she was. I just any movement I made it would have scared her. um, but ended up like one of those people that like we crossed paths for a reason. Like I won't tell his story, but like I think with my dad passing and something that had happened in his life, like we really connected outside of hunting. And so he he was like, anytime I don't have clients here, like he had just a property that it wasn't even like free range or high fence or anything. Um he just like had property around that a family friend had owned that he had kind of like he had a couple feeders on, but like it was never guaranteed something was gonna be there. Um, and he was like, anytime I don't have clients, like you're more than welcome to come out here. And I ended up like that's where I got my first buck. Um, but still to this day, he checks in. He's like sixty something years old, and he checks in on me. And he's like, hey, like how's my little huntress doing? <laughs> like how's your Colorado hunting going? And like a couple weeks ago, he called me, and he's like, I'd love for you to like come out during the ride Like he's really sick right now, and so he's like, I'm not really doing any hunts this year but like I'd love for my little huntress to come out and like help with oh, me yeah time. the sweetest guy like that I've ever met and like I'm so thankful for him because that was my first hunt opportunity and he taught me so much even like I didn't even kill I didn't harvest anything the first time that I was there but he still taught me so much in that time he was like well here's maybe some things that we could have done differently and like when we were setting up in the blind like my stabilizer that I had on was like way too long for the blind that I was in so like did I need a bigger blind should I change my stabilizer like all these different things and then finally when I ended up harvesting an animal like he taught me how to skin it how to quarter it, how to gut it all those kinds of things and like yeah just people have especially like my mom or anyone any close friends are like what are you're going out with these men <laughs>
1: like that yeah
0: before and I definitely like I, I do try to feel them out as much as I can but yep. I know and, and you know as well as I do like if that's what I want to do I'm good it's a rare opportunity to find another woman who's going to go out. And even then a woman could do something as harmful as a man can do. Yeah, For
1: sure. I feel like it is like, it's my mom, my, yeah, my mom said the same thing. She was like, you're like doing what now? And I was like, it's, it's all good. Like it's for hunting. Like I'm learning. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> no, I feel like, uh, I, yeah, I also have like just old man friends who also took me hunting like on their property and, um, and you know my it, my dad didn't you know no one hunts in my family so I feel like yeah it's it's almost like special like little mentor like relationships where it's like these like old men and I'm like it's it's more of like a dad thing you know what I mean like I feel like I'm learning from my dad essentially. Um, so yeah. it's definitely, I think having mentors in your early like hunting, um, career, you know, and process, I think is an important
0: thing for sure. Yeah. There was a, and I brought this up because of the topic of like the high fence and all of that. There was a ranch, like a little bit further up the road from where he lived. And I remember one day there was like a helicopter that was really close by. And he, I was like, why is there a helicopter way out? we fucking BFE. <laughs> like what's the helicopter doing out here? And he was like, People pay to have their animals that they want to hunt, quote unquote hunt, helicoptered into that property. And I'm like, that is not like I know nothing about hunting at this point, but that and then you moment, know that's not hunting. You know that's like, not hunting. <laughs> like people are paying to have zebras flown into that ranch up the road so that they can shoot it. What? <laughs>
1: I I don't know how that's like legal to be honest I think I would love to have like a high fence uh, ranch owner on the podcast because I do have so many questions like and not necessarily I'm not going to like sit here and roast them because again I feel like you can learn something from everybody um but yeah I just I would love to know more so I'm like properly
0: shit on it I don't know <laughs> that's like that's like the correct way to say it well, I was interested in hunting in like South Africa for a long time and then I quickly learned that if you hunt in another country you can't bring the meat back so I was like yeah. well that defeats the purpose of-
1: that's not why I got into hunting that's yeah not- for sure and I feel like the way people defend that kind of hunting is um that's all okay. of that meat is going to like the local tribes um since you yeah. can't take it back like you're essentially feeding like you know tribes and villages that are in need of that that like would absolutely love that kind of meat yeah. and then you get to take home you know like, the hide, the hide, to send, yeah like literally your trophy and I'm like yeah I just feel like there's places in the U.S. I would rather hunt first yeah. um but I do want to get back to um I do we kind of took a little Texas uh, detour. Re- yeah, detour reroute but I do want to um, what was it like actually packing out that elk like I you know again that animal is so large so were multiple hands like butchering it at the same time like how did that work and then yeah. um, how many trips did you have to take was it harder than you thought was it easier than you thought what was that like
0: yeah um, of course an elk is huge Um, it definitely helped. We had really all hands on deck when we were, when we were butchering it. Um, everyone kind of knew what they were doing. Everyone we kind of like quickly had our place on it. Um, like I would start on the legs, like, uh, my friend had started just kind of like skinning up the stomach so that we could kind of start skinning everything back to get the guts out. Um, he wanted to be, since it was his, he wanted to be the one to get like the back strap and the tinderloins out, but it was really like an all hands on deck thing. And I think like that helped just speed up the process. Like not, by no means do you need four people <laughs> doing it, uh, but it definitely sped up the process. And like, that was his first time butchering an elk. Um, and so like, he definitely admitted, like it was nice to have some more hands on deck for that. Um we ended up leaving or he ended up leaving like quite a good bit of meat behind because he was just in a rush to get out like in Colorado by law it's required they take all four quarters of the back straps and the tenderloins and that's all you're required to take okay um so he left like the ribs and the neck meat and all that stuff and he wanted to but gross pressured for time and wanted to get out of there quickly um I think between the four of us we, we only had to make one trip but like I said we did end up leaving quite a bit behind so maybe if we took everything we might have needed a second trip
1: would you do that differently if it was your elk?
0: oh absolutely okay I, would, I hunt for meat to put meat on the table and yeah. like ultimately I would like to never ever have to buy protein from the grocery store again for either. sure um, and with how much meat, like you said, James had like 230 pounds of meat from an elk, like I'm not leaving any of that behind.
1: Yeah. Cause I feel like when I first started hunting the people I was hunting with the way they butchered a deer, they didn't really, and with whitetail, like there's really nothing on the ribs. Um, I mean, there's so like it's minimal, right. But they would leave the neck roast too. And I, so when I started hunting, I was like, that's like, that's looks like a lot of meat. Right. And that's like my favorite thing to make out of. I feel like just from the neck, even again, like this is a white tail, right? So I cannot imagine just like the uh, the neck roast of an elk. But just from the neck roast, um, all I basically slow cook it, um, mm-hmm. and so all of that meat just falls off the bones. Like it's you don't have to really mess with it, um, and that all I just make tacos with that, like burrito, like tacos, and then the actual like bones and everything, I make a broth out of. Like so, I just always have like you know, um, like meat. Broth, like bone broth. So, uh yeah, it hurts me when I see people like leaving certain things. Um, but that's kind of why I wanted to ask you, like, if you would you have done it differently? Because yeah, like, that, that hurts. And I'm just, I'm thinking
0: about like the size of like an elk, like neck. <laughs> it's huge, <laughs> big boy. <laughs> yeah, I would have taken every last piece that I possibly could. I don't care how many trips it would have taken. Like, or not an inch of this is getting left behind. Um, the own. whatever, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. He took what was required and, and that's okay. Um, but packing it out, we didn't like, we, since we moved the trucks, the pack out wasn't terribly far. It was straight uphill. Um, and so that part sucks. Um, I had never through like my pack. I had never put more than like, I think dry weight. Like when my pack is full, it's maybe 30 ish pounds. I add water, maybe high 30s low 40s Mm -hmm. um so like I had never put more than that in my pack um so you throw like the biggest freaking elk quarter in there and quickly changes how that pack feels (laughs) about you and that was when I like not that I skimped out and I think we talked about like maybe wanted to talk about this too as far as like gear goes like I didn't have gear for backcountry hunting so going into this like there was a lot of stuff that I had to buy
1: that was kind of the direction i wanted to take it because i i think we're nearing on an hour or so um but yeah i mean what was that like you said you didn't have a lot of the gear n- like needed for a backcountry camp
0: yeah well so i when i moved here from texas i sold literally everything that I owned except for my clothes, my bow and my dog. <laughs> um, and I came the essentials right there. <laughs> the essentials That's all I needed. Um, and I'm like current, like I'm renting a like furnished place. So like I left, I either sold all my furniture or I cut I my bed and like left it at my mom's in Texas. Um, so I had nothing except for my bow, which is in my mind, what I need, what I needed to hunt. Um, but quickly realized that like, you're hunting in the backcountry you need a tent you need a sleeping which I knew this I just like had sold everything well and not even like and I
1: think that's where I've always been intimidated because like backcountry camping is something you know not even like just hunting I think just camping in general like backcountry camping is like kind of I see it as the next level like when I do that that'll be such like a big accomplishment for me because you don't just need a tent you know what I mean like my tent right now, I could not take that country kit. Like it's a whole nother breed of like the lightest, smallest, like every pound matters. And I, you're small. I mean, you're five, like what? Five, two? Three, four,
0: five three, five, four, if I'm lucky. Okay.
1: Yeah. If you're, yeah. I'm five, four. Um, and yeah, it's like every pound matters. Um, so it's something like that. I think I keep putting off because I'm like all the stuff I have to camp now, it's like, very much like, yeah, you know, my car is not far from me.
0: Um, And when you're like hiking and leaving your car, and you don't know when you're going to return your car, like you have to carry all that with you. I quickly like I think at first, I didn't realize the importance of like people would tell me that but I was like, I can carry what I want to carry <laughs> then I was like and I don't want like to- I am yoked like it's fun <laughs> <laughs> I'm stronger than you think I am <laughs> yeah um and I was like you know what I just like for this season I'll maybe like skimp on some things like things a couple things relatively cheaper even if it's like maybe not the best and then like over the course of the next year I'll slowly accumulate like better things so i had found this like guy selling on marketplace it was like a mattress or like a a sleeping pad a sleeping bag and a tent it was for like 80 bucks for all of it and i was like what a fucking steal (laughs) like i'm getting that and i like had him send me videos pictures like all this stuff and i'm like that shit that's legit sure enough i go and pick it up and i bring it home and it's all heavy (laughs) if i would have carried just that stuff alone it would have been the equivalent of like everything that i was carrying in my pack no, and like it wasn't small by any means it all took up a lot of weight and I was like I can't this is stuff I can't skimp on like and these are the essentials right like I can't. yeah those are like literally the basics like yeah. that's where you start off like yeah. so if
1: that is weighing a lot like then your other yeah
0: yeah then you have to literally like can't take anything else so I was like you know what I messaged a guy and I'm like can I give this back and he was like nope it's yours down the drain, whatever. I ended up donating it to a nonprofit and they took it and that was great. Um, So then I'm like, all right, back to square one. I still need a sleeping pad. I still need a sleeping bag. I still need a tent. Um, The sleeping bag that I got is like a 20 degree one. So if I was hunting like during rifle season here in Colorado, when it's snowing, I definitely would need a different sleeping bag. Um, but I knew I don't have any, at least right now, any intentions of hunting rifle season here. And if I do, I'll figure that across that bridge when I get there. Um, but it's a relatively light one, but like sizeways, it's not that small. So I could definitely get a different one, but it was one of those, like this one will do. Um, my tent was really good. I have like a one person bivy tent. Um, and that one ended up being really, and I got like a really good deal on that one too. Maybe it's not, I don't think the quality of it is one that will last like years and years on end, um, okay. but it definitely will last me at least a couple of years. Um, but a, a good quality tent will, that's like lightweight and small and your pack will run you like six, $700 on the low end. <laughs> yeah. And then you get into the
1: ones that are like rated for like extreme temperatures. Right. And it's like, those are even more and it's like,
0: like oh my gosh that's crazy and it's definitely like people have said like you definitely have to accumulate the good things over the course of time um and then my pack like I actually I have a really good pack um it's a mystery ranch women's Metcalf um but I've heard mystery ranch is the way to go yeah and I I love it it's it's a great pack for me personally anything over like 50 pounds wasn't really comfortable and that's not that like I can't carry the weight because I've tried other people's packs on with more weight and like it didn't feel quite as bad um I, I was recommended multiple different packs and ended up like the mystery ranch one i got a good deal on it through going to total archery challenge um like i got like a 30% off discount code for it so um not only was it one of the cheaper packs but with the discount i even got it cheaper um, yeah a great pack like if you're a female you're looking for a good backpacking pack a good backcountry pack whatever the mystery ranch women's Metcalf, great pack um I think for me like I can carry over that and so like I would need a more sturdy pack for carrying that amount of weight um because yeah once I threw out quarters in my pack it didn't feel good anymore and it like so not that it was heavy like i could easily pick up these out quarters like by myself and it felt fine but the second it was in my pack it didn't it was like and not even it was like the hip belt didn't feel good like all these things you don't think about until there's a lot of weight in it like those feel good they were painful um so i'll definitely like be in search of a good pack because i think that's that's just as crucial as a tent a sleeping bag all that yeah what else as far as gear goes like you have to oh having like a jet boil for freeze-dried meals um, and just kind of uh, something that someone told me he doesn't pack like when he's packing food no like 100 calories per ounce or whatever so like you know you're on your feet all day you're moving all day you're gaining elevation you're losing elevation like you definitely want to be able to, especially if you don't plan on going back to your car for four or five days.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's where I struggle. Cause I feel like when I am camping, like I eat so good. Like I, I'm like this is vacation like I'm sleeping in a tent on the ground but like I am eating so good like I love my I have a two burner like Coleman um, that I w- could not live without and I'm like okay what's like the backcountry version of that like I'm not like
0: that before <laughs> yeah like <laughs> I'm like carrying out my food with me I'm boiling water and like putting it in freeze-dried food and you get yeah. some- where you're like I never want a freeze-dried meal again
1: yeah and I've never like I don't think I've ever even had like those like I literally am I'm like, <laughs> like I'm literally eating steak and broccoli and like yeah. a baked potato like I like yeah, I, yeah literally, literally like I'm like my Yeti's
0: full of just like
1: good food I'm like I'm here to eat and just hang out and chill and
0: well that's like you can do that too. Like you can if depending on where you're hunting, you can always like park at a trailhead and if you have a really good spot that you know elk are gonna be there or deer or moose or bear or whatever you're hunting, um, you can park there and you can always return to it. And then you don't necessarily have to do the freeze dried meals every night. But we had especially the second time I went out I was out for like 10 days at a time or 10 days in total we had planned for like four or five days in. we would come back we would refresh we would go back another four or five days and so you kind of have to take all of that with you but there's like different strokes for different folks like people don't ever even leave their cars like road hunting is a thing and so that's how you like at least get three to four miles in, so you're away from the people that are hunting the road areas um because the roads do get so heavily trafficked with people, especially in those over-the-counter public land units or public land areas. Um, Yeah, I think gear is important. Uh, I definitely screwed myself in skimping on some of it, but it's a lesson learned, right? Like, I came out, like, I haven't filled a tag yet. I might get out there one or two more days before this month is over with, but, like, I learned so much in this month just being out there with the people that I was with, like, they were incredible, um, just experiencing that, like, I've never spent four or five days in the backcountry before, like, camping on top of a mountain, and, like, I, I didn't know what that was like, but I was gonna do it, <laughs> I was gonna figure it out, and, like, the shoes, oh, shoes are huge, um, I just wore, like, I have Solomon hiking boots, and I swear by them, and I've worn Solomons for years now, and um, I was, like, a big hiker before I got into hunting. Um, and I wore those most of the time, but a friend of mine had let me borrow her crispy boots, um, which are like a popular hunting boot for in the mountains and stuff like that. And they were, she had said that they were kind of worn in, but I personally had never worn them before. And there was one day where we we're going to be around a lot of water and my Solomon hiking boots weren't waterproof, but these crispy boots were. So I was like, I'll wear these today. And of course, that's the day we put the most miles in. We're literally like going down steep cliffs. We're like side hilling on rocks. We're like climbing up the most elevation and my feet hurt bad <laughs> at the end of that day. So like the important, like my Solomons were fine, but like, like I said, I knew we were going to be in the water. So it wasn't going to do me any good to be in those um and with archery season it's relatively warmer, so you can get away with like a hiking boot versus a hunting boot. But if you're hunting yeah. in snow and like late rifle seasons, like those are gonna be really important. And once again, not cheap. Um so I definitely Yeah, I feel not- like footwear is one thing
1: that you should just bite the bullet on yeah like that the amount of like hunting clothes i've gotten off like you know facebook marketplace or that you know i've tried i feel like i've tried so many brands just like kind of just waiting to fall in love with one Mm. um so i just mix and match all the time now um but yeah footwear is
0: like is essential it's worth, is crucial it's worth, um, it's worth for sure and, and I yeah. knew my hiking boots I knew I was going to be fine with except for that one day that we were going to be around water but definitely like my next big purchase is, is a good pair of boots
1: for um, sure I feel like the boots I'm looking at now they're like 240 and I'm like that's just like that hurts like literally like that kind of price tag hurts um, oh. but it's only because like there were a couple of days and Virginia is not even that cold I literally have no idea how people hunt in like the Midwest or Alaska or like I literally just don't even know what that's like but a little (laughs) Virginia girl over here like there were just a couple days last um season where I was fine like I I love an all-day sit like I'm super patient I can sit for like eight hours and not see anything and like that's why I call this like rookie hunting because like I mean, I'm I'm not claiming to be a professional over here, but like I'll sit for the eight hours. Right. But there were just a couple like there were two or three days where like I actually did. I packed up and I left because like my toes like I it was just like my toes were so cold and my boots are only 600 gram like insulate. And so I'm like, I need like obviously I need a higher like for those super cold those for those days where it is around like twenty degrees, like I just need something that's
0: like more than that. Um and so and when I assuming so yeah, I think you earlier you had mentioned like talking about the bear that I was on towards the end of my hunt. So Oh yeah, tell that story. Yeah. It'll tie in with like the cold weather stuff and good boots. was uh, so, like the last three days of my hunt, like we were seeing some Elk sign, I was hearing a bugle finally, but we were just never close enough. Um, one time we tried to close the distance on them, and like just because of thermals and the wind and all of that, they were each as we tried to close the distance, they were continuing to move further and further. Um but I said it was like, yeah, I had three days left of being out there. I'm sitting this wallow where like I was waiting for elk. It was not like I had a bear tag in hand, obviously, but like was not specifically like lo- waiting for a bear here. I'd been sitting there for like probably four hours at this point. Um, and the biggest bear I've ever seen in my life comes walking in and I didn't, hear him like I'm mind blown to this moment this is like almost a week ago now I'm mind blown to this moment that this massive bear comes walking in and I didn't hear a thing (laughs) like they they know like they an animal knows when it's being hunted and an animal knows like the environment that it's in and they have to be quiet and that's where like game trails become beneficial and they take the same trails over and over again because now they've like or at least I think this is what makes sense in my mind. <laughs> like they've reduced the like from point A to point B kind of thing. They like, there's no longer making a lot of noise there. They can follow the same game trail and it seems like a safe way to go. Um, so sure enough, this huge bear comes in, a, a black bear, but he's like cinnamon faced. He's almost red. He's at 20 yards. Like right in front of me and of course I, I'm sitting I kind of dug like a little hole in the ground um and like kind of built like uh one of my buddies I was with We had kind of built like a, a brush blind around me and like three or four hours you don't see anything so I'm sitting real comfortable I'm like crisscross like arms are crossed sitting in this little hole like I Half haven't <laughs> I haven't seen anything like I haven't seen anything and like I'm, I don't even have an arrow knocked, which is like my first mistake. (laughs) Um, and this this bear comes in at 20 yards and and I panic and I don't panic because there's a bear in front of me at 20 yards. I panic because I'm not ready for this. (laughs) I'm like, I look over and I'm like, wait, range it. And I had ranged all the trees around me. So like why my instinct was to be like, range it for me (laughs) blows my mind. Um, but I like, I had to get up. I had to like get even to where, like I was facing the, I'm a left-handed shooter. So like, I kind of, at least needed to be facing like towards it or kind of like this direction to be shooting. And I was completely facing this way. So like that did me a disservice. Like I just made so much movement trying to get in a position to shoot, like picking up my bow, knocking the arrow. And sure enough, the bear looks up at me and he like darts away. And I'm like, I will never, ever not be ready. Ever again in my life.
1: Yeah, and care. it's those. It's like those like huge moments, though. That like like you just said, like you, you yeah, you messed up. Uh, yeah, you, know? I, I, you made a rookie move, like, and that's okay because now you know, like, you will never be caught off guard because that bear did give you like the perfect shot, like a twenty-yard shot on
0: a on a huge bear. Side, perfect shot. He was in front of me for solid like 10-15 seconds uh, probably even longer than that right like I'm slow I'm still making slow movements but I'm making big movements to try yeah. and, to get in a position and, and I knew as soon as he, he left I was so mad at myself because I had nobody yeah. to but myself for not being ready in that moment uh, I feel
1: like that's the thing I love about hunting though like it's not First of all, like, it's not a competitive thing, right? Like, you're not, like, competing against anyone else but yourself, and I feel like that's why it's such a big mental fuck. Like, it is literally all you. Like, you have no one, like, you just said,
0: you have have no one else to be mad at but you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then I know he's there. Next day, I'm like, I'm going back to that same wallow. I want to see if he comes back. I sit the same wallow three days in a row for, like, First time I was there for like six hours. Next day I was there for seven hours. The next day I was there for like eight or nine hours. Um, second day I go in, I sit it. He had come at like 5.30 the first day. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to be unprepared ever again. So I'm like, prepare for seven hours. <laughs> and then here to come um and he comes in like we interesting. I got there an hour earlier the second day. He comes an hour earlier, but he ended up winding me. Um so like kind of as he's coming in, you see his like nose go up and he walks away. Um and, and wind was crazy that day. Like I'm checking the wind like every 30 minutes to make sure I, I'm good. But like even if I wasn't, I couldn't really move because it was getting closer to time that I thought I was gonna see him again. Third day we go in there. Um and I, I never put eyes on him that day, but I heard him that time, um, but that was kind of like the last day that I had. I'm still like I might get a rifle tag. Like so in Colorado, if I think this is the same in Colorado, I know you can do this in other states. If you have a rifle tag, you can still shoot with a bow. Like you can always go play down. Technically, yeah. mm-hmm. you have a an archery tag. You can't shoot with a rifle. Yeah. Um. So I I might even try to get a bear rifle tag for where I was so that. I can still go after him because I know he's there he's consistently coming and like and maybe that's just like the rookie stubbornness in me because I'm like god that's the first time that like consistently I've seen an animal like I talk about guys, like you hear guys who find it like white tail for free- or elk for years and they've had eyes on the same yeah elk. they like literally nickname this animal yeah. that
1: they've seen for like five years and I'm they like that. and it's I'm like, like the longest relationship they've ever had
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I wish that you could last outside of that yeah. um that's funny but so like and I would hear those stories and I'm like that makes no sense to me like, why are you just waiting for this? Because somebody else could get them. And this time. And then you're heartbroken. You just shoot yourself on the foot for not getting them. It never made sense to me. And then here I am like three days after seeing the same bear. And I'm like, I get it. <laughs> I want that bear. And I want them now. But I want to put him down now. I don't want to give them five years. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I want to put them down now. Um, so, yeah, I guess I could kind of relate to that in a way. But, I mean, that's kind of like my first, like, big game, like, big game experience myself that like yeah the opportunity that was ruined like that was 100% on me the last day walking into that wall of like there was elk sign around which is like originally like I said I was sitting that one for waiting for an elk um we're walking in and like I'm I'm bare-brained at this point like anytime I think that there's gonna be a bear out I'm like bear bear Bear, bear, like opening weekend when we were hunting, like we would leave camp and I'd be like, bear, bear, bear. And then we would come back, like coming to camp, and I'm like, oh, there's going to be a bear at camp. Bear, bear, bear. (laughs) Like walking into this wall on the third day, like, bear, bear, bear. (laughs) And being not like, I'm not saying it loudly by any means, but like, I'm also not trying to be quiet as I'm walking through the woods or anything like that. And sure enough, there's a big bull elk 40 yards in front of me who hears me coming and darts away. Oh it's not a mistake like if you're going to somewhere like opening weekend the a couple of the guys that were there they were like I, I'm naturally a loud person so like my struggle with being hunting around all of this they're like Wait, shh. <laughs> we're hunting <laughs> like tone it down a little bit I'm like I'm so sorry like just naturally I'm a loud person yeah um and that came to fricking bite me in the ass on this day, and I wasn't even loud; like I was just kind of like trucking through the woods, like I wasn't even speaking or saying anything when we had walked up on this bull. But same thing—you have to be quiet when you're walking through the woods. And I was just so like one-track minded on getting there and getting set up to get this bear. Yeah, to bull at forty yards. Rookie mistake again. (laughs) Never, like, no matter if I'm headed to somewhere and like I'm not set up yet, like in all moments you're hunting. Yeah. You step out of the car, the second you get on that trail, you don't know. Right. Like it could absolutely you could see it on the way there, you could see it on the way back, you could see it when you're there, you could see it at a distance somewhere else, but like in all moments hunting and you have to be ready and like if I didn't take anything else away from this trip it's that like I will always be ready and mm-hmm. I'll never miss an opportunity like that again and, and that's not like a missed opportunity moving forward will be that I just wasn't close enough or mm-hmm. that I never saw anything it'll never be I was 20 yards from an animal I was 40 yards from an animal and I spooked it like yeah that's my mistake for sure and I like I said have no one else to blame but me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you, like, what are some, you know, tips for, like, the rookie hunter if, like, someone's trying to get into hunting out there? But I feel like, honestly, I feel like there were a lot of takeaways from this episode. I mean, is there anything else you want to, you know, tip-wise? Do you have anything,
0: anything else? Yeah, I think kind of like we talked on with gear, um, if you can, like, it's expensive, like, at the end of the day. And I think that's probably what holds a lot of people back um try to get like if you're not gonna skimp on anything boots for one thing like get a good pair of boots um you can kind of skimp like during archery season like i said out here it's not quite as cold so you could skimp a little bit on like your sleeping bag and all of that but if you are going to be out where it's really cold you can't really skip on that either um, and, and a good pack. Um, I think those are highly underestimated, but also know that it's okay. Like if you can't get all of that at once, um, like I've met people who've been doing it for four or five years now and they're like, I'm finally to a point where I have everything that is of decent quality. And I just, I couldn't get it all at once. Um, so like, don't be like intimidated by it at all also like I'd say like just put yourself out there like I was telling you earlier before we kind of started recording like I've had so many people reach out to me on Instagram and they're like I'm inspired by you just putting yourself out there and like yeah I didn't have all the best gear this first time around but like I wasn't gonna learn and I definitely wasn't gonna put an animal down if I wasn't out there like I can't harvest animal from my home (laughs) Um, and, and granted like I haven't yet but I was closer than I would be sitting here at home thinking about wishing that I put myself out there and like even guys I like I've had more males reach out to me than any women who or like, it's so cool to like, see you put yourself out there. Like one guy was like, man, I, I've always wanted to like back country hot and I'm just scared to, or I don't have the time to. And like with anything in life, I always say this, like, if you want to do something, like I'm going to get this tattooed on me or something, like do the damn thing. Because the longer you put it off, the more excuses you make, the more time you spend not doing it, the more you're likely to not do it. Um, so if you just like throw yourself out there, like I said, with anything in life, but even kind of with hunting and like, like I said, I, I was fortunate enough to meet people and like ask the right questions and put myself out there in that perspective too. And I, I, I attribute a lot of kind of what I've done so far to that. Um, like I said, early on, like I, I originally intended to go out by myself, but like, who knows how unprepared I would have been. <laughs> so I went out by myself because as I started meeting people and they invited me along, and I decided I was going to go with them. Like they would kind of help me, like make sure you have this, make sure you have that. Um, so I think those are all really big and important things too. But I think it's just ultimately just putting yourself out there and like don't be scared. And yeah. like if you know even just like one person who's done it, like pick their brain, ask if you can go with them. And like like I said early on, I just was curious to go with people. I wasn't set on harvesting an animal. I wasn't set on that right away. Like I just wanted to learn. And even still to this day, like, I think it'd be super cool to go spend a day like at a taxidermy shop and like see that process and then go spend a day at like the processor, like, and see. I've thought
1: about doing that like as a series, just because like, I feel like it's like Uh, you know, and even it's like, I come, I bring my deer home and I butcher them here, but I know if I actually went to an actual butcher, I would probably learn just such a faster and more efficient way to do it. Mm. Um, I think that would just be so cool to do. I've, I've been thinking about that, just like bringing a camera and like, just going and like asking all the questions I have, like, even if it's like literally not even a wild game, like processor, like, even if they're butchering like
0: a cow, like same thing, right. It's like, I just think that'd be so cool yeah yeah I think like and I, I will eventually at some point there was a one in Texas I was gonna go to and then I left Texas so I need to find one out here uh, but just spending a whole Saturday like sun up to sundown because that's the hours that they work um just like being in there and watching them and just like that that's learning too that because like you said you bring your deer back to your house and you process it and the backcountry you're doing it out there yeah you have to do it on the ground. Where you found it, and you have to pack it out. And I hadn't done that yet either. Like in Texas, same thing. You put the deer down, and then you either throw in your truck and take it out, or, or the guy that I was hunting with, we would like tie a rope around its antlers and then tie that to the truck, and then kind of like drag it out a little bit. But like you, you've got to field dress it out there. And before I went, like when I was planning on going by myself, I, the number of YouTube videos that I watched on how to field dress an animal, like. I could have skinned and quartered and gutted a bear in my sleep because I watched so many videos on how to do it before I ever went out there. Yeah. Um, same thing with an elk. Like, once I got an elk tag, I started watching all of those videos and, like, I could have done... No, granted, actually doing it is differently than, like, seeing it, but I, like, the last thing I want to do is put an animal down and step up to it and, like, now what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I <laughs> do. So, like, watching videos on even like field dressing it um but also videos on people talking about like how they do their scouting or um their gear like people do gear reviews on YouTube all the time like take those with a grain of salt because some of them are paid (laughs) um but yeah I think just putting yourself out there um asking questions don't be afraid to ask questions um learn as much as you can like take everything and that everybody has to say whether it's right or wrong like you determine that yourself um and just learn like I think just having the curiosity the learn has taken me really far
1: for sure well do the damn thing with Whitney I think is going to be the episode title
0: when you're with me
1: um Whitney can you tell people where they can find you on social media yeah, I am on
0: Instagram. Um, I think it's Whitney Trammel T R A and a Mary E L underscore. Maybe there's two underscores. It should come up either way. Um, that's really about the only social media platform that I use. I'm on Facebook too, but high school people are that. on there. I, <laughs> I try not to. I try not to use it much. Um, outside of that, uh, sneak peek. I may or may not have a podcast coming in I'm the so future. Waited. <laughs> definitely something that's been on my mind for a while now. I've got shameless plug <laughs> I've got the logo I've got the name I just gotta do the damn thing. I just gotta start it um it's another one of those things where it's like I gotta find the time but I'll find the time It's something we yeah. can do for a while now so yeah absolutely
1: for that Well I'm excited to you know see what big things you got going on and I know you're about to be out there for a couple more days before um I guess before the month ends right?
0: Mm-hmm. yep,, yep. So,
1: so good luck and I hope you hope you can really pull this thing off. That would just be so epic, especially like you've already, you know you've made a couple mistakes out there and so you've, you're only you can only go up from here and like learn from them. So um, I'm just excited to see what you do. and you're one of my favorite people. I literally love you. so I'm really happy I got to have you on here.
0: Yeah, I love you so much. Thank you for having me and yeah, once I get mine going, you'll'll definitely, you'll definitely be on there.
1: For sure. Well, I definitely want to have you back on. I know there's a couple more things we kind of wanted to talk on, um, especially just like gear, like clothing, I guess, in general. So she is a female hunter. So um, that can definitely be our next topic um, where we dive into that. So that sounds good to me. And then next year you're going to come out here with me. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, it's like it's going to happen. Um, yeah, I just got to start. Uh, essentially, start prepping for
0: it because um, I know it's going to kick my ass. <laughs> no, as far as that goes, I think you had kind of like mentioned it earlier, and then we went on a tangent, like kind of how do you prepare for that? Like, there's and like y- you know this too because you. <laughs> oh my goodness! Did you hear that? I heard like a little
1: bit of it. Is that your dog? Uh,
0: yeah, but the like neighbor's dog came up to like the screen door, so my dog just went nuts. <laughs> Um, anyways that's not good uh, <laughs> I, I kind of work with like tactical and military populations and like same thing with them they want to prepare for like a combat deployment and all that stuff and at the end of the day you're gonna find yourself in positions that you just f- cannot prepare for you, you yeah. can be the most prepared that you possibly can be um but you'll find yourself- I, and
1: I feel like a huge thing of that is like mentally preparing I feel like mm-hmm. I I just and I'm not downplaying the physical aspect of it but I do think like mental toughness is like just such an important thing um it I think it affects literally everything and so I feel like even the mental
0: aspect of it um is something that uh
1: I just try to harp on a lot honestly
0: yeah I like the I think the the fortitude and the resilience to just like carry on and to like push through the things that are hard like yes it helps to be physically prepared and to train for it and like that that will pay dividends for sure um but you can be the most physically fit and still tap out because mentally you aren't prepared for that i've seen that happen um so i think just being able that could also
1: be like an episode topic
0: we talk about too uh, yeah the body does incredible things it'll we are built to survive just like the animals that we're hunting right um so we can push ourselves through amazing things. You just have to believe that you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. That for where most people end up failing and, and situations like that, unfortunately.
1: For sure. Well, Whitney, I don't even know how long this episode's been. I don't even care. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this I think this was great. And um, yeah, once again, I just want to thank you and um definitely looking forward to having you on again.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, and I will talk to you soon. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.